0: Pass. Hitting seven yards, Brees, there's Touchdown, and there's a the record! That's unbelievable. Drew Brees in rare air! Hartley sends the Saints to the Super Bowl! What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple, the destination for the Houdat Nation. I'm your host, Chris Rosvoglu. You can follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report. Um, you know we got the podcast up on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, um, a bunch of different platforms. So there's no shortage of ways to listen to this podcast. Um, and before I get into this episode just remember you can support the podcast on anchor FM um, for as little as 99 cents a month and it comes with a lot of cool perks um, and you'll even be you'll even be able to come on the show um as being a supporter of the podcast now let's get into it and before I you know dive into what went right in that Saints victory over the Seahawks I just want to say to those that doubted, this Saints team. There was a lot of people I saw on Twitter saying, "You know, I'm off the, I'm off the bandwagon. Uh, this team's done. Let's wait till next year." I said, "Relax," and I said, "Relax" for one reason. It's not just that I trust Teddy Bridgewater, and I, I think you know he he showed us on Sunday that he deserves our trust. I trust this team because I, I, you know, we've all been watching the Saints forever. We get it, but this team in particular and what they've been in the last couple of years. I, obviously, Drew Brees is the best player and the most important player, and he holds everything together. But they built a really good football team, and a lot of people just overlooked that. You know, They they drafted Alvin Kamara. They drafted Ryan Ramchick. They drafted Teron Armstead. They signed Larry Warford. They have Cam Jordan. They traded up to get Davenport. They built their secondary with Lattimore. They traded for a guy like Eli Apple. They traded to get backup linebacker like Kiko Alonso. They got Ted Ginn. They signed Jared Cook and Freed. I could go through this whole roster. The Saints made a bunch of moves to get to this point where they are great with Drew Brees, one of the best teams in the NFL. Without Drew Brees, they're still a competitive team. And that's all you could ask for. Because guess what? The Saints, without Drew Brees, are a game up in the division already three weeks in. I know that's early. And I know it's not good to look at the standings, you know, so early in the season, but that's the, that's the reality, guys. The Saints, without Drew Brees, went into Seattle, a place where Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll over the last so how many years have been 15-0 and in September at home, lost. And the scoreboard doesn't do it justice. That's the best part. The scoreboard will tell you 33-28, and look, Russell Wilson was out of this world. But the Saints, from the jump, controlled that game. And they won in so many ways that impressed me. One, their defense was lights out. They scored a defensive touchdown. They scored a special teams touchdown. And Alvin Kamara was sensational when it mattered the most. That's why, looking at this Saints roster right now, I'm telling you, they're going to be all right. And a lot of people doubted this team and said, time to throw them out. They're no longer an NFC contender. When the reality is, Teddy keeps them afloat. When Breeze comes back, the rest of the NFC is in trouble. I'm going to talk about that a little bit after the break. But that's the reality. Now let's talk about the actual game. What went right? Well, for starters, the Saints had a special team to, uh, touchdown to start the game. I mean, Teddy didn't even go in. It was 7 nothing. And Deontay Harris, who granted fumbled later in the game, is the best palm returner the Saints have had in almost a decade. I mean, that kid is lightning fast, and the best part about Deontay Harris, he's a D2 football player. And actually, I don't know if he's listening right now, but my cousin uh, was a quarterback for LIU Post, another D2 football school, and they played Assumption several times. Um, and I texted him during the game. I was like, you know, this kid, Deontay Harris, he plays for Assumption. It's pretty good. Kid's really good. Just scored a touchdown. Um, do you remember playing him? He's like, yeah, and, you know, Deontay broke records, you know, at D2 with ease. Uh, return records, receiving records, he was that good. Um, so I think more than anything, it goes to show the Saints scout tremendous, tremendously well. I mean, that's a D2 football player who's showing he's an NFL-caliber returner. Um, and he's giving the Saints – and we saw it week one, week two. He was breaking off a couple big runs. We were waiting for him to finally get to the house. And guess what he did? And the coolest part – Deontay Harris is the first player this season to have a punt return touchdown for any team in the NFL. First, Deontay Harris. What also went well? Alvin freaking Kamara. I don't know why or how this man, as good as he is, is somehow still overshadowed. Look, I love Saquon Barkley. I watch Saquon Barkley all the time. I'm from New York. Giants games are on 24-7. Alvin Kamara is just as bit of as good of a running back and receiver as Saquon Barkley. You know the difference? He doesn't play in New York. That's the difference. And there's so much to love about Alvin. First off, he breaks every single tackle. I tweeted out during the game, oh man, Alvin Kamara breaks, you know, five tackles a game at least. No, I was wrong. It's like five tackles a quarter. You know, that that was just a mistake by me. I completely undersold him there. I mean, this team. And this running back, specifically, so dynamic. I mean, what he, kill, he kills you in the receiving game. He looks like he's easy to bring down, but then two seconds later, he's 20 yards down the field. You're like, how the heck did that happen? And he's a strong runner. 16 carries for 69 yards is pretty good in a tough environment and gets a really good defensive line in Seattle. Look at Seattle's front seven. We got Bobby Wagner, arguably the best linebacker in football. You got KJ Wright, another st- tremendous linebacker. You got Ziggy Ansah. You got Javien Clowney. That's a very good front seven. And Alvin Kamara ripped them to shreds. And that's how good he is. And what I love most about Alvin Kamara is no one's ever going to talk about it. And, and the media guys won't. And I'm actually going to call them out for this right now. I don't think Alvin Kamara gets as much love as he should. Because I bet these media analysts see Alvin Kamara and think, you know what? He's just a good athlete, doesn't care about anything else. He's just a tremendous player. You listen to him speak. You watch the way Kamara goes through the week, how he talks in the locker room, how he you know, communicates with his teammates. That guy is a true born leader. And I'm not saying that because of you know how much I enjoy watching him on the field. What he does off the field to me is just as impressive as what he does on it. Don't let the grills and the chain deceive you. Alvin Kamara is a a tremendous football player and even better person. That's a guy that the Saints sit there and I don't want to hear them getting into a contract situation with him. He's up for a new contract. You pay that man. You pay that man with as much money as you need to to make sure he stays in New Orleans for the rest of his career. That's how good Alvin Kamara is. And guess what? Mark Ingram's been great for Baltimore. Good for him. I'm very happy for Mark Ingram. Guy deserves it. But Alvin Kamara is the reason the Saints don't need Mark Ingram as much as other people thought. Because guess what? The Saints are still two and one. They're still thriving on the ground. And at the end of the day, Kamara's going. He's gone for over 150 scrimmage yards plus twice out of three games already. More Kamara, the more dangerous Saints are. That's just the reality. Now let's move over to number five, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh my God, I could not be more happy for someone than Teddy Bridgewater. And I tweeted about this as well. Um, a lot of you guys are talking about it, and and I. I love the outpour and emotion and support that comes from the Hoot Nation. Teddy had a really, really tough couple of years. I've discussed it multiple times on this podcast when they traded for him back then when you know, I was doing the Hoot at and NYC podcast. I said I loved the move, and the one thing about Teddy is his story is very similar to Drew. I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater's become Drew. It's so hard, and it's not going to happen. I'm just telling you from now. I mean, Drew's one of a kind. He's one of the five best quarterbacks to ever play the game in my eyes. But Teddy Bridgewater was left for dead. And Minnesota said, Nah, you know what? Maybe we don't need you. Let's go get Kirk Cousins. And you know what? Newsflash? This might sound like a hot take and some of you guys might disagree. Give me Teddy Bridgewater over Kirk Cousins because I know who Kirk Cousins is. It's someone that crumbles under the pressure every single time things get hard. You think anyone's scared of Minnesota? No. Why? Because of Kirk Cousins. They were better suited with Case Keenum. So Minnesota left Teddy for dead. The Jets pick him up. He looks good. The Jets traded him in the Saints. In hindsight, the Jets probably should have kept Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, look at what the Jets have gone through. Sam Darnold, has his biggest storyline has been dealing with mono. I mean, look, I I think Sam Darnold's a good kid, but I watch him too. Again, you know, being in New York, nothing he does impresses me. Trevor Simeon, their backup, out for the year. Luke Falk, probably not an NFL caliber quarterback. Let's just call that what that is, you know? So two teams said, ah, let's abandon Teddy, and New Orleans has him, and New Orleans got a whole year to let him learn the offensive system, and the numbers aren't going to wow you, and they never will with Teddy Bridgewater, because you know who Teddy Bridgewater is? He's Alex Smith, but do you know what Alex Smith did? He won football games. You don't need to be that great with Sean Payton as your play caller. And a great defense... I think the Saints defense is great. Don't let anyone fool you otherwise. Everyone's going to tell you the Saints defense is not good. You know what a great defense is? It's one that gets pressure on the opposing quarterback. That's a great defense. And what the Saints have done... Getting after the quarterback. Everyone was so quick to let that Rams game deceive them. It's just not true. But back to Teddy. The numbers aren't going to wow you. He's not going to make throws that are like, holy crap, did you see that throw from Bridgewater? But he's careful with the football... He makes the right plays, and he said something that stood out to me in the press conference, and he said he was speaking to Drew Brees, and the one thing that stood out with him, completions are good. It sounds like a funny remark. It sounds like a well-duh, but it's the truth. Just got to keep moving the chains, and that's what Teddy Bridgewater did yesterday. The Saints never had drives where it's like, oh, here, here it comes. We're going to stall. No, they kept moving that football. They really did. Um, super proud of the way Bridgewater played. Tremendous uh, effort from him, and... There was definitely all the emotions there with him making his first meaningful meaningful start since 2015. Um, You know, actually his last meaningful start beforehand was against Seattle in the playoffs. Guess what? They should have won that game. Their kicker missed a freaking chip shot, Blair Walsh, um, because the laces were out. So, I mean, it's tough. It's really tough uh, to see what Teddy's gone through, but to see him bounce back is very rewarding for him. It's rewarding for the Saints team. They have to feel vindicated that. They paid him $8 million. And how is Teddy feeling about that decision to spurn Miami for New Orleans? I bet he's feeling pretty damn good this Monday morning when he wakes up. So hats off to Teddy Bridgewater. Hats off to this team. Uh, When I come back, I'm going to talk more about the Saints, more about Teddy Bridgewater, how this team looks without Drew Brees, and an updated picture of the NFC South. All of that coming up after the break. And welcome back inside Big Easy and the Big Apple. Once again, your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Follow me on Twitter at Report, And you can also follow me on Instagram, the same handle, except it's Rosvoglu underscore report. And also, you can just type in Big Easy and the Big Apple on Instagram and find it there. That one's strictly podcast information, whereas the Saints' um, content is all on my Twitter account. Now, let's talk about this Saints team and the outlook going forward. Look. Next Sunday is going to be hard. I mean, they're playing the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to say this about the Cowboys, though, real quick. And I, I I don't just say it as a joke because everyone likes to, you know, hate on Dallas. I say it because I mean it. Dallas has played a bunch of JV football teams the, to start the year. They played the Giants with Eli Manning. I mean, we saw how much better they are with Daniel Jones. I mean, they're, they're literally playing Eli Manning, who has been washed up for five years now. Yeah, Still going to make the whole Fame for some inexplainable reason. But anyway, washed up. Then they played Case Keenum and the Redskins. And then they played Josh Rosen and the Dolphins. Like, come on, dude. I don't care that the Saints don't have Drew Brees. This will be by far the best challenge that the Cowboys have had through four weeks. It's not going to even be close. That's going to be the best and toughest test um, that they're going to have. And I'm going to have a preview of the Saints-Cowboys game uh, around Friday morning as usual. I think that's kind of what we're doing now. It's like Friday morning's preview of the next game and Monday morning review of what went down. And I, I think it's working with you guys. I know you guys are, you know – uh Probably in sync more with that, so we're going to keep that schedule going. But anyway, let's talk about the NFC South and uh, the Saints without Drew Brees and how they're going to fare in this South. So, Panthers won with Kyle Allen. Falcons lost to Jacoby Brissett and the Colts, and the Bucs literally choked away a win against Daniel Jones and the Giants. So, overall, it was a good day for the Saints. Two out of the three division rivals lost, and the one that won was uh, the – Previously winless Carolina Panthers. So actually, if one of them had to win, it was the best case scenario because the Panthers were 0-2, and both Atlanta and Tampa Bay was one and one. So now both Atlanta and Tampa Bay drop to one and two. And then you have um Carolina bump up to one and two, but still it's two and one, and then everyone else is one and two. So the standings are fine. You're still game up on everyone. And a lot of people are like, oh, don't look ahead. But I think once your game's over, it's okay to look at the next opponent. I think that's fair. We can all agree on that. So I'm looking at the schedule, and the Carolina Panthers have to play the Houston Texans on the road. Um, with Kyle Allen, Cam Newton's not starting this week. They could say whatever bullshit they want, and, and they'll beat around the bush. Cam Newton is not starting this week. I'm telling you guys from now, Kyle Kyle Allen will once again start for the Carolina Panthers against the Houston Texans. Look, I'm not saying the Panthers are definitely going to lose, but there's a good chance the Panthers drop the one and three there. So that's good news for the Saints. Let's move over to Tampa Bay. They're playing the Rams. We all hate the Rams. We can all agree on that. We don't like them. But let's be real here. The Rams are going to beat the Buccaneers. Does anyone actually think the Buccaneers are going to beat the Rams? Exactly. No. Crickets. Now, I know I know you guys can't literally speak through the microphone, but I know what you guys are thinking. You're like, eh, no, the Rams are going to beat the Bucs. And think about this, too, about that Buccaneers team. Winston actually played pretty solid against the Giants, and They lost. They lost. So what is he going to do against Dante Fowler, Aaron Donald, Clay Matthews, uh, Corey Littleton, Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters, Eric Weddle? I mean, this Rams defense is going to light him up. And then that offense for the Rams, smooth sailing. Honestly, that offense for the Rams is going to be just fine. And I think that game might actually be at home for LA too. I, I just can't see LA losing that game. So hypothetically speaking, there's a good chance... Before the Saints even play on Sunday night, the Bucs and the Panthers are 1-3. And, and now that leaves us with Atlanta. Look, I'm going to tell you from now, I think Atlanta's going to win this Sunday. They're playing the Tennessee Titans. Um, but would it shock me if Atlanta lost? No. Because time and time again, Atlanta shows us they're not ready for the moment. Atlanta, more than any team in the South, should be 0-3. If if Philly doesn't just pull on a, you know, a full-on choke job on fourth down on a screen pass to Julio last Sunday night. The Falcons are staring 0-3 in the face. And then 0-4 if they lose the Titans. And you know the numbers on 0-4 Saints fans. We've been there. We we know you can't go 0-4. You gotta win one. So, whoo. I mean, Atlanta, look, they might bounce back and get to 2 and 2, but that's even that, who knows? I mean, I, I think they'll beat Tennessee because Who the hell knows what Marcus Mariota is at this point? I mean, does anyone know if he's good? I don't think he's good. So, I mean, Atlanta will have the quarterback advantage. They'll have the offense advantage. um, But I'll tell you what about Tennessee's defense. Cameron Wake, Jarrell Casey, they're going to get after Matt Ryan. And so I bet even though Tennessee's going to lose, or at at least I'd be picking, look, if I'm going to make a pick, I'd probably pick the Falcons to win that game. If the Titans win, it wouldn't stun me at all. Because this Atlanta team's got issues that aren't issues that you can fix going forward. And you know what? As bad as Tennessee's offense has been, they're going to go against a banged up secondary. Keanu Neal's out for the season again. Out for the season again. No Keanu Neal. Their offensive line's not playing well. And unless Matt Ryan throws a prayer to Julio Jones, they really don't sustain anything. Devontae Freeman's done. I mean, I could go through the list of the Atlanta Falcons. But I'm not. Because it's not a Falcons podcast. But Looking at the NFC South, Saints can, and I'm being serious, the Saints handled their business on Sunday against the Cowboys. They keep they could be looking at a two-game division lead. Two games through four weeks without Drew Brees. How crazy would that be? And then all the talk about Drew Brees coming back, he can take his time. He could take the full six weeks he's supposed to, and we're like, all right, we still got Drew because we still got that Bucs game. That's a winnable game. The Cardinals game, very, very winnable. How about the um? Excuse me, right there. How about the Jaguars game? Very winnable. If if honestly, if Teddy Bridgewater beats the Cowboys next Sunday, the Saints might end up going five and one in that span with Bridgewater. How insane would that be? Whoa, man! I, I, it's funny because so many people doubted this team. I was saying I think they can go three and three or four and two, and I was confident about that. And today, just as confident, if not probably more. So this Saints outlook without Drew Brees is fine. And before I end this show, I actually want to talk about something interesting I heard on the broadcast yesterday between the Saints and the Seahawks. Sean Payton was talking about, apparently during pre, it must have been like pre-game meetings when you talk to CBS and they get a feel for everything. He's talking about Drew Brees and his rehab. And I, I there was a whisper. And I'm not saying it's confirmed. I, I've i actually spoken to a couple people on this. They have told me there's, no one knows. No one truly knows because Drew Brees is in the first couple of you know days of his rehab. But Sean Payton, apparently, according to CBS, said that, you know, Drew Brees, it wouldn't shock him if like four weeks from now, Drew Brees is like, all right, coach, I'm ready to play. Like that's that's how hard he's gonna attack his rehab, and Sean wouldn't be shocked because Drew Brees is a workout warrior. Now, at first I'm like, that's a little nuts, but think about this. When Drew Brees hurt his shoulder, he he probably should have missed a couple of weeks. Instead, he just missed that one game against Tampa Bay. And after that, I mean, not against Tampa, against um, Carolina. And after that, he was back for Sunday night against Dallas. Like, he came back so quick, it shocked people. So, it wouldn't stun me if Drew comes back early um, for this injury as well. But either way, with Teddy, Saints looking safe hands with Teddy Two Gloves at the helm. And we're going to see what he does on Sunday against the Cowboys. And I will have a preview show for that game on Friday morning coming out for Houdat Nation to listen to. And I hope you guys all enjoyed that as well. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of big easy in the big apple but that's gonna do it folks so thank you so much for listening enjoy victory monday and until then let's go saints